welcome to the Restoration Church Life Podcast. We hope this resource helps keep you informed about the various happenings inside the life of our church and equips you to make disciples that delight in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another Restoration Church Life Podcast. This is Nathan Knight, uh, and we are talking, we are continuing the conversation about pornography or lust, sexual immorality, those kinds of things. Now, uh, you're listening to this as the third episode in the conversation, right, So if you, if you haven't listened to the first two, it might be helpful to go back and listen to, to those. That's right. And that's – who is that that's talking? That's Joey, yes. Hello, that's Joey. me here, yeah. Uh, so two of us are talking about this. The first one, we talked about the fact that pornography or lust uh, is a problem in the church at large, not just outside but inside the church. It's and a also, big problem. And also not just amongst men. Yeah, it's also amongst, amongst women, women. That's men right. and women inside the church. So yeah. it's a pervasive issue. Yeah. And then we did the work that I think sometimes does not get done. Namely, we talked about why that's wrong, why lust is wrong. What does it have to do? What what effects does it have? So often I think we can get in the habits of just, you know, thinking that something is wrong because the church says it's wrong, but we don't think why it's wrong. That's what we did last time. And so this time we want to begin to think about how is it we now attack this sin? How is it we attack it? And But even before we do that, I think as a good kind of transition into the argument, Joey, we can think about um, kind of some um, some reasons why we might, you know, pursue pornography in and of itself. So yeah. how that might, and how that might be helpful to yeah, attacking so the problem. Broadly speaking, before we get into some of the, the practicals, I think broadly speaking, it, it's helpful when we are talking about any sin, really, uh, but sexual immorality in particular is to reflect on why it is we're pursuing this particular sin. I think sometimes when we, when we can become focused on one particular sin, we think if we, oh, if I can just get that one down, mm-hmm. then everything else will be okay. Right. And we know that our hearts are much more complex than that. And so I think it's helpful to stop and reflect and think about the underlying reasons as to why these things are happening. And so, you know, as Jesus says, these things come out of us. And mm-hmm. so there's there's various reasons mm-hmm. for why people pursue sexual immorality. Give us a few. I, I think one would be uh, would be boredom. I don't have anything else to do, and I have access yep. to it, and yep. so I've done it in the past, and so yep. it's going to occupy some time. Yep. I think another one is stress relief, yep. is that I've worked hard, yep. pressures are real, and this is a way to find immediate relaxation and relief. Uh, perhaps rejection in the past. And so you can have control over the situation. And in pornography, you always get what you want with the click of a mouse. And so you are in control. The fear of man is gone. The fear of rejection is gone. And you can have that situation. I've talked to others that are angry at God. They feel as though God owes them a spouse. Mm-hmm. And because God hasn't given them what they wanted, well, this is a way mm-hmm. they can be angry at God and manifest their sin towards him. And so and how's that going to help us fight knowing those reasons why we're doing it? Well, I think it reminds us, one, that our sexual immorality is not the only thing that we need to think about, mm-hmm. nor is it that which defines us. And so it'd be like the, you know, this is a fruit that has a root. And so as we think about cutting off 
this sin, yeah. we need to do more than just chop off the apple on the tree. We need to get down in the dirt and dig around and see why is it growing in the first place. Yeah, that's good. So I think yeah. that's those are some reasons. Yeah. So and there's yeah. there's many more other reasons, but I think just doing that work and then once you once you do reflect, I think you repent. Yeah, that's right. Well, and before we go there, I, I just go just putting a little cap on that. Yeah, it puts skin on the problem. When we think of sexual immorality or lust, it's this kind of abstract idea that we know is wrong. But doing what you just did, brother, just walking us through why we're going about these things helps us begin to see why we're committing those sins. And it puts skin on it, like I said, so we can look at it and know where it is, and that'll help us begin to get down the road to attack it. And I think that's going to be much more helpful when we begin to think about heart-level solutions mm-hmm. and not just circumstantial. That's right. And so if yeah. we don't know why we're doing something, the, the answer is going to be purely circumstantial, which is helpful, as we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah. in order to really drive at the heart, we need to understand the, the underlying reason, reasons. So, but you were starting there. The first yeah. thing we have to do is repent. Yeah, so we, we repent. Yeah. We, you know, we, we need to repent of our sin to God. This is a, an affront to who God is mm-hmm. and what he has created sex and romance mm-hmm. uh, to be. And so it starts with repentance. And so if you find yourself here, I encourage you to go immerse yourself in Psalm 51. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes after David committed sexual immorality, and he's pinning a psalm of repentance. So he's specific about the sins he's committed. He knows that he's sinned against God, and he's crying out to to mercy for God. And so uh, repenting, and I think another level of, of repentance is a concreteness when we confess this to a brother or sister around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, if you're, if you're willing to confess to God and not to your brother or sister, is it that you're just absolving yourself and not really confessing at all? Mm. And so we'll, we can talk more about this episode and next episode about who and how to confess and all that, but at some level we need to repent to God, and then that manifestation begins in a confession to others that they might help us through this. Should somebody wait to feel sorrowful before they repent? Huh, you tell me that, brother. Should they, uh-huh. should they wait to feel like they don't? want to pursue porn yeah. before they stop pursuing it. Yeah, well, I would hope not. Exactly. Yeah. And it's the same thing with repentance, right? It's yeah. it's one of those things. It's You could put it, you know, to, to use another analogy is when we do a lot of premarital counseling, I'll tell spouses, don't wait until you feel like you want to forgive before you forgive. Yeah. We know that these things are honoring to yeah. Christ. And it's the same thing with repentance. Yeah. Uh, I would hope that the Spirit would work and drive in us a deep desire to truly repent. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, even the desire to desire is a work of the Spirit, and yeah. so we should repent when we know that it's yeah. wrong regardless. So Maybe some shorthand for repentance is dying to self, dying to that sin, confessing that it's real, like you said, this is what the sin is, this is what is wrong, you know, maybe even in confessing why it's wrong, but but repentance is not mere confession. That's right. Just because you said, sorry, God, for I did this, or you tell somebody else, sorry, I sinned against you, you didn't actually necessarily do repentance. Repentance requires this sort of, you know, inward change from the heart that results eventually into hopefully an outward change. Yeah, and even Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians the difference between worldly grief and godly grief. Yeah, yeah. And so it's not just feeling sorrow, sorrow for your sin. Yeah. That could be because you got caught or because something happened, and that, those are purely worldly yeah. circumstances. And so uh, repentance is agreeing with God that it is wrong yeah. and desiring to honor him yeah. with your uh, feelings and desires going yeah. forward. Not just so. try to get it off your guilty plate because you right. don't want to deal with it. Yeah, that's good. Right. So, All right, so we, let's start. To, let's begin we, to think through yep. uh, how is it we attack this. We've already said we – first off, the first thing we said was we kind of begin to understand why – we're uh, imbibing in this sin. Then once we see it, we then repent of it. That's what we've said so far. 
So what would you, if someone were to come into your office or they're in your yeah. community group and yep. and they, they confess this sin, they're, they're sick of it, they don't like it, they know that it's mm-hmm. an affront to God, yeah. uh, they want to, to pursue Christ-likeness, what would you begin, how would you begin to counsel them? Yeah, I always think of three things, three things that need to, to happen. The first off, and we'll walk through each of these, the first off is, is the... The brother or the sister, whoever it is, needs to saturate themselves in the things of God. Uh, we'll talk about that, what that means in a minute. The second thing they need to do is they need to surround themselves with the community of God, so the people of God, to help them in this fight. Uh, and thirdly, they need to then put up those kind of circumstantial walls that will keep them from accessing. You know, we tend to think of those third things, you know, I just need to stop doing this or put covenant eyes on my phone and then we're done. But that's a third level thing. There's two things that need to go before that. So saturating, surrounding yourself with the people of God and then uh, doing some circumstantial stuff. So let's start with that first one. So think, talk about the importance. What do you mean by saturate yourself with yeah. Christ or, and, and folks there? Why would you start there? Well, because we first have to, we have to understand that this struggle is not just circumstantial, like you're saying before. This is a heart level thing. There are things down in your heart that desire this pleasure more than you desire the pleasure of God. And so as John Piper says so well, we have to fight fire with fl- fire. And so, we have to fight it with a better pleasure, and that's going to happen by our saturating ourselves in a greater pleasure of God. And that's going to look there's a there's a ten different things what that could be. So one would be just personal devotions, just spending our time more time in the Bible, not just reading the Bible, thinking about the Bible, meditating on the Bible, and not just thinking about all the bad stuff and feeling condemned, and but actually seeing the beauty of God. And enjoy. I've been reading the book of Judges and just loving it, you know, how God is so merciful when these people are so screwed up, you know. He just keeps showing up even though he's angry at them. So saturating yourself in devotion, saturating in prayers, so reading other prayers from saints of old. You know, we got the Valley of Vision is, you know, these prayers of repentance. Reading those, like you said, reading Praying the prayer of Psalm 51 with David. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's prayer. We do fasting. That's saturating. You know, putting things off like food or something else and putting something on, namely more prayer with God. I mean, we could keep going. Can and you I, think well, of other things? I, I think of one uh, that just came to mind is thankfulness. So, so when we're mm. thankful, we're being yep, saturated in God. In fact, when you think about Ephesians chapter 5, uh, he says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covenous must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Mm-hmm. And he goes on, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. Yeah. But instead, let there be thanksgiving, Thank- yeah. thankfulness. Yeah. And so one of the ways that I think we can saturate ourselves in Christ is by intentionally, with a regular rhythm, mm-hmm. being thankful. And so maybe that, that's you journal, or mm-hmm. you before yeah. you eat dinner, you think about one thing that you're thankful. In the craft household, as many of you know, we've got a thankful board that we write on and pin things up. But I think that's a way of saturating ourselves in Christ, reminding ourselves, listen, we're not just saying no to bad things. We're saying yes to something better. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of saturation. But a question for you on the saturation. So yeah. you said that the greater pleasure of Christ. Yeah. How would you inform a young man or woman who says, well, in that moment, it feels like my sin has given me a greater pleasure? Well, I would, first off, aff- affirm that's probably true. You know, I mean, like, yeah, you're pr- it probably is in that moment true. But that, but the feeling of that is, does not necessarily mean that it actually is true. So, you know, we live in a society that tells us that our feelings dictates truth, and that's just not true. 
<laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I would say first to them, I'm sure that in that moment you feel as though that's a greater pleasure, but you need to understand the lie of that, that's that right. it's not true. That's right. That Christ is greater. And I'd point them to passages like, you know, Second Corinthians 4, 6, what talks about that salvation is beholding the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And I mean, I mean, there's a million passages, right? John 15, okay. 11, John 16, uh, 13, or yeah, John 16, 13. I mean, all this, I've come that you may have the fullness of joy, the treasure hidden in a field. We could go on and on and on and on. Yeah, I think there's that, that greater, it's yes, you're stuffing yourself with crumbs, but you've yeah. not really eaten the feast of yeah. Christ. Yeah. So, so we, so we saturate ourselves. And by the way, with, I should, yeah. we should say, just to be clear, yeah. John Piper and the Ask Pastor John has a good, I don't know the episode, go back and find it, but it's a good episode that describes that this, this sort of delight in Christ is sort of an acquired taste, as it were, you know. So it's something that, like, just it's not like you can go listen to a sermon and read a book and then poof, there it is, you know. This the more it's just same thing with my wife. I've been married to my wife for fourteen and a half years, and I am more in love with my wife than I was the first day I married her, and that's because I pursue her day after day, and so it is with Christ. Yeah. So there's that. There is an acquired taste, but it's a yeah. greater taste. Yeah, amen. It's almost our. Yeah. We don't have left to ourselves. We don't have the taste buds to absorb it all. Yeah. Unless we pursue them over time. Amen. So, so we pursue Christ. We cite ourselves in Christ. The second thing you mentioned is is a godly community yeah. relationships. Yeah. How would that begin to work itself out? Yeah. You can't. I think you got to know. You can't do this alone. So many people. This is a, one of the sins that the one of the ways that Satan hides this. Sorry, I just I just gave the answer away. One of the ways that Satan works is he tries to hide us. He tries to isolate us in any sin, but especially this one. Try to get us alone, make us feel condemned and guilty, and think, oh, they, they'll then feel shame, so they don't want to talk about it, and so they don't drag it into the light so it doesn't die, and so you got to get that thing in the light. And so uh, I would say the more you can drag it in the light, the better. So it starts with... You know, people that are close to you, individual discipling relationships. You know, even the next level would be in your community group amongst the guys or gals, whoever it is when you break up into that. Uh, even if you're married, that's another, we can have a conversation about that later. I think it's, that's a really hard one. We need to talk about more, but like your, to your spouse, even pulling it up and even past those stages True. as much as we can into the light, the more heat it's going to give to kill that thing. Yeah. And I, and I think in part of that is inviting those people that you know love you. Yeah. To ask you questions, yes, not just about this, yeah. about this, but but your your life as as you follow Christ, and so yeah. that that word that can sometimes have a negative connotation, but accountability. I think yeah. that's one of those things that godly community. It's not coming from a place of legalism, yep. but it's coming from a place of love, yeah. knowing that they want to help you pursue Christ. And yeah. so the the lie is is oh well, I just committed this act again at my computer by myself, and I'm not going to tell anybody, but I'm not going to do it again. So can you model for us what it would sound like to invite someone to to look into your life about this sin or another sin even? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the, in the context would be my, my marriage or, or in community group. And so I think in community group, I, w- I would tell— Or a discipling relationship. Or a discipling, maybe, yep, so, yep. Yep. I'd tell the brothers, like, listen, uh, you guys need to know that I've been struggling with pornography, and so I've you know looked at it. X times over the past six months. I'm not happy about that, but at the same time, I don't want to be defined by that. And I know that I'm weak and left to myself, I will give in to this. And so I'm inviting you, brothers, to ask me, how am I doing with pursuing uh, Christ and not pornography? 
And also, I invite you to ask me about the totality of my Christian life. Mm. Am I pursuing Christ by reading my Bible, by praying, by yeah. serving others, those types of things? And also, if you don't see me around, if I'm not at church, I'm not at community group or whatever, I, I invite you to ask me how I'm doing. Because chances yeah. are, I may have not shown up at church because I looked at porn on a Saturday night and I felt bad. Yeah. And so yeah. I need you to speak the gospel into me and tell me that's not true. Yeah. And why is it Why is it good to – that's a good example, brother. So what, what is it – why is that – good to talk like that and, and actually go about the process of inviting someone in? What will that do for the other people that are going to help you? I think it will do two things. One, it will actually get help me get the help I need. Mm-hmm. And then I think second, chances are somebody around me has that same mm-hmm. issue going on, yeah. and now we're creating a place where it's normal in a way to talk about our sin and how the gospel attacks that sin. And just like mold does not grow in the light but dies in the light the better we can drag it out in the light it'll die yeah and i would add a third thing if somebody tells me that they invite me to to ask them questions to stay on top of them about these things i feel a lot more freedom to ask amen you know i mean i think all of us are kind of self-conscious like ah you know if i ask them i might upset them and i'm a sinner anyway so i shouldn't be so harsh but if somebody goes out of their way to ask me to in, to invite me to ask them, and I just feel more empowered yeah. to ask, yeah. and so that's going to come, you know. And even I would even say the person that invites, if somebody doesn't actually ask the question, call them out. Amen. So, brothers, I asked you to, you know, ask me about this, and it's been one week and nobody's asked me. Yeah. Here we are at the end of community group, and nobody asked me. Nobody called me this week. Nobody sent me a text message this week, yeah. and we're at the end of community group, and nobody asked me. Yeah. And you don't say that condemningly. You just say, like, listen, brothers, I need you to help me. Yeah, And, so, it, and it's going to happen. Those types of things are going to happen. We're sinful. Yeah, we're frail. Right, we're finite. That's right. yeah. But that's why we need each other to, to walk yeah. alongside each other. Trust and, and, me. I've had other brothers tell me, <laughs> remind me, uh, even as their pastor, that I failed to – and that's helpful to me. I, I'm, I'm helped. Yeah. Amen. So we, we need that community around us because sin isolates. Yeah. And so we've got to have people that love us to help us walk this out. But that's not the only thing. They're going to pray for us. Oh, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. there are all kinds oh, no, of no, things. No. So many things. They're going to text us. There's right. so many ways. And again, that reminds us this is not just about sexual immorality. This yeah. is about following Christ with and loving yeah. God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength and Amen. neighbor as self. So we've, we've saturated in Christ. We've surrounded ourselves with godly community who are asking questions, us to them, them to us. Mm-hmm. And third... Uh, pornography in particular, there are some circumstances that need to be dealt with. Yeah, yeah. So these are the things you probably, a lot of people tend to think about. So these are the kind of circumstantial things, walls we put ourselves up to. So one of the things I ask people when I meet with them about this issue is I'll say, when do you normally access it? Uh, what time is it? What's the kind of circumstance involving? Is there a kind of a pattern there? And then we can begin to walk that back. So if we know that they come home from work and they come home alone, it's that time. So we we begin to then ask them, all right, what about not going home at that time? Or what about doing something different at that time? So um, so we can talk about working against patterns that they have in place. That would be one thing we can do to push back on the circumstances. So what are the pattern? What are the habitual places and times and events in trying to work against those things? That's right. Uh, a second one would be the device itself. Yes. So now I understand a lot of people will have – it's a trouble just in their mind, just looking around. Uh, but more often than not, the people that are really in deep on this, they're going and looking at media. And so oftentimes I found 
Uh, people are looking at it on their phones. This is the most frequent place. It's I don't know that I I think people look at it in their laptops and things, but um, oftentimes it's phones because phones are easy to carry around, right? Yes. Easier to go in a bathroom and hide and these kinds of things. So at that point, we're we're asking questions about covenant eyes, you know, these kinds of internet programs that can monitor and send reports to people. Is that happening? For me, my wife has an open invitation. Speaking of invitations, my wife will look at my phone and my laptop anytime she wants. Yep. As a matter of fact, about three or four days ago, she uh, walked into the bedroom and told me uh, she had her my phone in her hand and she said, "I just want you to know I'm looking at your history right now." And I said, "Okay, go yeah. ahead." Yeah, that's, so, that's that's a good thing to have. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Thank God for that. Amen. Built in accountability. That's right. So, um, so that's there. So we've got. So we've said walking back the patterns. What happens to t- putting some like, internet accountability around there? If we're looking at actual devices, and I want to say right here, this is a big one. Uh, one thing that really, honestly, it bothers me about people is people feel entitled to technology, and so they're unwilling to get rid of it. Um, yeah, we 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 as Christians feel the freedom of our of grace, right? We can live in the freedom. So I don't have to get rid of a internet. I don't have to get rid of a TV. I don't have to get rid of a phone. That's true. But man, if it's true that you are getting more and more enslaved or you can't kick this thing, why would you walk around, you know, <laughs> walk around town or walk around your apartment or whatever with this thing in your pocket if you know it's going to cause you to fall? So get rid of the thing. This is exactly what Jesus says, right? Quote the verse. Here you go. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And Jesus knows gouging out your eye has no effect on your heart. Yes. Yet he still says take radical measures of circumstantial repentance to pursue purity. Why is there not more flip phones in churches? I'm I'm serious. I'm totally serious. Why is there not more flip phones in churches? I don't understand that. And I do know brothers that haven't got a flip phone, but they have made their smartphone dumb. And so in other words, they literally cannot access whatever the app store is or the internet except through a passcode. And so you can do that. You can make your smartphone dumb. Yes, don't start walking around the church, and if somebody doesn't have a flip phone, start judging them. So just to be clear, (laughs) yeah, but yeah, but uh, we've got to get either drastic steps like that. You know, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot recently is we saw that this we saw when we preached in Psalm one thirty when God says when the psalmist says there. He he uh, he says in verse three, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. We love that. But why does he says he? Why that, does he want that? What that you that we might fear that? And so we lack fear. We can think about Philippians two twelve and thirteen. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's right. We lack fear, and so. That needs to be that needs to grow, which goes back to the saturation. I was going to say that goes back to the saturation. Yeah. The more you saturate in Christ, the more you understand Him, revere Him, yeah. awe Him, and enjoy Him. So take drastic steps, brothers yeah. and sisters. Yeah. Take them and and do not live in your freedoms. Understand that whatever the whatever things that you're accessing uh, that are causing you to fall, 
be willing to lose those things insofar as you can. That's right. That could uh, be, again, yeah. phones is a big one. It could be not having your computer in your bedroom but always having it in a public space. Yeah. It could go down to maybe there's certain types of media that you watch that, that do cause arousal. Yeah. Maybe it's soft, good. but it leads to something one. more hard. And so yeah. you're, you understand, okay, I cannot watch that because it causes arousal. So whatever those circumstances are. Yeah. And, That's and, a good – just want to highlight what you said, yeah. brother. That's a good one. Yeah. We, we tend to not even think about rated R movies and – because we're so sensitive to not being legalists, right? And yet, you know what? Maybe, we're legalist about our legalism. Yeah, about not being legalists. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and so, so movies. Be careful what movies you're watching. Be careful what songs you're listening to that you don't even know are teaching you to be more giving into sexual immorality and causing your mind to wander. Yeah. Uh, gosh, be a careful and just don't watch those movies. Don't listen to those songs. They're not worth it. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So, uh, so we 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 saturate in Christ. Mm-hmm. We surround ourselves with godly community that's going to speak the gospel into us. Mm-hmm. Then we take practical measures mm-hmm. of doing what we need to do in, in Jesus' words, gouging on our eye, uh, tearing off our hand. And one more thing, brother, what would it be? Yeah, I would say patience. Uh, patience. Why? So, well, I, man, Jesus yeah. rose from the dead. I should be able to stop this tomorrow. Right. Or, in, in, or, or more importantly, they should be able to stop it tomorrow. Yeah, and pray that they would. We yeah, pray that amen, they would. Amen. But, you know, it's... Paul Tripp says it so well in his book, What Did You Expect on Marriage, that it took you a thousand steps to walk into a cave. It's probably going to take you a thousand steps to walk out. In other words, you may have been in this habit, in this struggle for one or two or three or four or five years or maybe longer. And so we hope that it'll be quick, but it'll probably take as much or more years to get out of that. So you have to be patient, which goes back again to Psalm 130. More than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. So you got to be patient and understand that your heart is going to mend oftentimes slowly, but keep your eyes on any glimpses of light and be encouraged. That's right. Second Corinthians 3, degree yeah. by degree. Yeah. So we're patient with ourselves, mm-hmm. not excusing, but patient with ourselves and with others as we walk this out. Yeah. So one one practical resource that you would invite people to read apart from the scriptures yeah. that you would invite people Bible's to read. The Bible is most important. Um, I really like, um, this little book, Finally Free by Heath Lambert. Fighting the, uh, fighting for purity with the power of grace. Finally Free, fighting for purity with the power of grace, grace. Heath Lambert. One of the reasons I like it is because he utilizes grace mm. so well. Um, he talks about how we can use all these different things to fight against poor, using sorrow to fight pornography, use accountability to fight pornography, using radical measures, using confession, using your spouse, using humility, using gratitude. Anyway, those are all chapter headings. But I love how he uses grace. He always goes back to grace, which I think that is the weapon, right? Yeah. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Yeah. yeah. Another, so I'll, I'll link to that in our uh, podcast, but there's, there's similar. That's a great book. I've read it. Can't commend it highly enough. And along those same lines would be closing the window steps to living porn free by Tim Chester. And so, uh, whereas Heath really highlights grace, Tim does as well, but he couches it in the beauty of God. So mm-hmm. this whole idea of we got to see the beauty of God more than we see perceived beauty in immorality. So there's Good. two great resources. One more. Uh, Sex is Not the Problem, Lust Is by Joshua Harris. I like this one because he really gets behind fighting the temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really like how he gets after the uh, the temptation. So Sex is Not the Problem, Lust Is, Joshua Harris, 
And by the way, all three of those books we just mentioned are small books. Yeah, you can read them in a couple, yeah. few, literally a few hours. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're we're thankful for the church that we get to pastor. Amen. And we uh, trust these episodes are doing God's work amongst His people. And so, if you're struggling with these things, let someone know. And if you don't have someone, Nathan and myself, or any of the elders, Chris, Nick, Kyle. Uh, are all here to serve you. So uh, don't let the shame or the disgust or the guilt of this sin or any other sin Amen. keep you from confessing it and receiving the grace and the hope and the beauty of the gospel. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Restoration Church Life podcast. May God continue to give us the grace to make disciples that delight in the supremacy of Jesus Christ in Washington, D.C. and beyond.